this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Continuing further along in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesians, Paul says that he is writing this letter from prison, and he is continuing to speak to the divide between the Jewish and the Gentile church, and he says that division, of course, has now come down and united them into one church. In fact, in verse 6, he says, that is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He's saying now we're on the same team. We are united, the church. And then in verse 7, he begins to switch gears and begins to talk more about what it means to be the church, to be a follower of Jesus, and he uses his own life as an example here, and I'm going to begin reading in Ephesians chapter 3 today, beginning in verse 7, and I invite you to read along with me. It says, of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am very least of all the saints, This grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. I want to go back to verse 7 here. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power, Although I'm the very least of all the saints. Now, when he says saints, he's speaking to the whole church. This grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. Now, here's a confession here about Paul, about how I see him sometimes. I happen to think in Paul's letters that sometimes he comes off sounding a bit insecure, even dramatic, actually. He reminds me of one of those people that knows the negative thing that someone might say about him, and so he says it first in such a way that maybe if he says it first, then you can't really hurt me. Paul is regularly in his letters speaking to some of the challenges of his authority. In other letters, he's talking about how people say he's not a great looker, not a great speaker, that he has a stutter, There's that mysterious thorn in his side that he speaks of. And then there's the reality that he wasn't a part of Jesus' life and ministry before the resurrection. He was not one of the big 12 disciples. And to make things even more awkward, 
his past. His past, it must have haunted him. He had been a one-time Christian hunter trying to seek out and bring to so-called justice Jewish Christians who were following Jesus and were seen as heretics for their belief. He got Christians arrested and thrown in jail. In the scripture, when Stephen, the first martyr of the church, is stoned to death for his faith, Paul was there holding everyone's coats so they wouldn't get dirtied while they were about the business of killing someone. Paul was there for that. That was his life. And then Jesus changed his life. He met Jesus on a road to Damascus as he was on his way to go find some more Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. Jesus changed his life, and he became an evangelist the world has never seen the likes of again. And so when he writes, of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power, although I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. He means it. He feels like the least of these. God used his life. The guy with a painful past, the guy who saw himself on the reject pile, became a servant of Jesus Christ to use his gifts to bring about the gospel to the Gentile church and beyond. It's a reminder. If you think God cannot use your life because of your past mistakes. If you tell yourself that your skill set just isn't perfect enough for God to use you, think again. Just look at Paul. He feels like he is a reject, the least of these. And God used him, the one with a stutter. The one who wasn't a great speaker, the one with a past, he was full of pain and shame and regret, and the apostle was used by God. There's an author and prof professor at Duke Divinity School that I really enjoy listening to and reading. Her name is Kate Bowler. She is a professor of church history at Duke. And she started this podcast called Everything Happens. It's a great podcast if you listen to it. But she, her, part of her story is that when she was 35 years old, had a young son um, teaching at the university, living her best church nerd life as a tenured professor in a seminary, when she was diagnosed with an incurable cancer. And here's what she's done. She's taken that pain. She's taken that heartache, that deep pain, and turned it into something powerful, beautiful even. She started this podcast where she specifically invites people to come talk, people who have, in their own ways, experienced deep darkness in their lives. She's written two books about faith and suffering and what that means. She's taken that stage four cancer diagnosis 
and she's turned it into something good. As one person wrote about her, said, she's turning her sickness into commission. And that's not being cheery. It's not making lemonade out of lemons. It's called a servant of the gospel. It's called being faithful. It's saying, here I am, Lord, use me, all of me. When we step into those waters of faith, we come with our whole selves, not just the perfect and the pretty and the put together parts of ourselves, but all that we are, the broken and the pain and the shame of the past. And she's doing that. She's taking the pain of that terrible news and she's turning it into something powerful and meaningful. The depths of her pain can be transformed, redeemed even, by the power of God's love. That's how Jesus works. And I remember years ago talking to this leader of the Narcotics Anonymous group, the 12-step group that was starting to meet in our church. And I don't know how to really politely say this, but he just, the leader of this group, he and his wife, just did not fit the part to me. In fact, I was pretty nosy as I was talking to him, trying to figure out if he had the right background or the right skills to be able to lead such a group. And it was just because it was such a need in our community. There was no such other group. And I really, really wanted it to go well and, and do well in our town and at our church. And I just, I just wasn't quite sure about him. And, you know, he, he and his wife would faithfully come every week and they would come early and they would uh, fill up the church coffee pot and the group would meet and they would drink a ton of coffee and leave the room smelling like day old cigarettes. But he was there week after week. And one day I was just making conversation with him before the meeting while he was making his coffee. And he ended up sharing with me a little bit of a story and he said, you know, this is my highlight of my week, my joy to be here every week. And he said, a couple decades ago, my life looked a whole lot like the people that come into the room every week. I was a mess. I must have come to one of these meetings a dozen times before I actually ever decided to really try and get sober. And then when I did get sober, it was coming to one of these meetings that helped me to stay that way. And now I get to be here and return the favor. And you know what? I quit worrying about if he was the right person to lead the group. A servant of the gospel. Taking the pain and the heartache and the lessons learned and turning it into something beautiful. That's how God works. Or as Ephesians puts it, of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Only God can do that. Only God changes that story. Only God takes a one-time church hunter, Christian hunter, and turns him into an apostle. Only God can use the least of these to do great things. As followers of Jesus, 
Each of us are called to be a servant of the gospel. It's Christianity 101, right? This isn't shocking news to any of you. There's no going to be new headlines. Minister says Christians should serve others. This is basic Christian stuff. We know this. But every day, every day, we all have opportunities to serve, to use our 24 hours in a day to share our gifts, our God-given gifts with others. And I don't know about you, but I happen to think that right now, especially in these anxious and divisive and stressful days, I think one of the ways that we hold back the tide of despair of our own anxious, divisive, and stressed out hearts is simply to serve, to serve somebody. Maybe you call up a friend this week and you just listen. Don't try to fix what they have going on. Just try to listen for them. Maybe you buy a coffee for the nurse working the COVID ICU at Baptist right now. Maybe you pray for someone you know who desperately needs it. Maybe you buy all the backpack blessing food you can. For a child you will never meet. And when you hear that voice in your head that says, you know, somebody should do something about that, maybe you tell yourself, I should be that somebody. (laughs) Maybe it's me. As Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. So who do you want to serve? In the Gospels, We hear a story on the way that Jesus is headed into Jerusalem, the city where he will be betrayed and crucified and killed. And he's headed into Jerusalem, and he knows what's going to happen, and two of his own disciples ask him for a quest, James and John. They say, Jesus, can we ask something of you? And Jesus says, ask. And they say, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left when you come into your glory. Gosh, that must have disappointed Jesus. After all that time, after all his ministry, after all that they have seen, and now they're headed into Jerusalem, and they want to know if they can have the VIP seats. And that's when Jesus says to them, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This, friends, is the Savior we follow. It's who he is. He came to serve and not be served. Serve the vulnerable and the sick and the broken and the hurting and the lost and the poor and the outcast and the sinner to serve. It is who we claim to follow. And Paul, bless his heart, spent the rest of his days trying to serve the one who changed his story. He spent the rest of his life in prison and out of it following the one who took his shame and regret of the past and turned it into something beautiful. Him, the very least of all the saints. 
And I wonder about you. I wonder about your life this morning. What if you let God use all of your life, even the hard parts, even the painful places, even the places and moments you wish you had never had to live through? How can God use that? Because no pain is too big, no story too broken, that the light of his love can't still break through and write a new ending. Thank you, Paul, the least of these, for reminding us all. Amen. Amen.